once said that the best therapist has fur in four legs. Let's find out how true that is as we explore animal-assisted therapy in this episode. Welcome to Lone Pack Conversations. I'm Valerie. Today we're talking to Dr. Taylor Cheston Griffin, the National Director of Animal-Assisted Interventions Advancement at Pet Parents, an organization dedicated to improving people's health through positive interactions with therapy animals. She has a background as a dog trainer, therapy dog handler, and in mental health. Welcome, Taylor. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you talk to us. In the introduction, I mentioned that you have a background as a therapy dog handler and also in mental health. How have you found animals positively impact human lives? Yes, that is a great question. And I have found um, endless ways that animals can positively impact our lives. And it's not just in my experiences, but also in research. There are so many different findings that support this claim. Um, animals can help us model relationships. We can learn how to trust and take care of one another interpersonally. Animals also help us with our physical health. Um, there are studies that talk about um, us being more active when we have animals. Uh, we have more sense of motivation, a reason to get up in the morning when we have animals in our lives. Um, and there's also mm-hmm. just something that's that's intangible and undescribable about the way that we tend to react when we have animals around us. Um, when I was a counselor and I had animals in my practice with me, I found that people trusted me a lot um, more quickly, that they would come into the office and they would just smile um, and feel comfortable because of that animal's presence. Right. Taylor, what's your relationship with animals like? Because um, as far as I know, you have a lot of dogs at home. (laughs) So what's your relationship with animals like? Yes, um, my love for animals really brought me into this field. And I would say that over the years, the more I've learned about animals, the more I take on the perspective that they're my teachers, that they have something um, to teach me. And I just like to to do all that I can to be a messenger for what they bring into our lives. Um, I see every day when I come home and my animals greet me with love and with happiness, no matter what mood that I'm in, it motivates me to try to do the same in relationships. When I see how resilient they are. You know, animals who I have in my home now who were rescued, they had really hard starts to life. And now they're therapy animals who share love with people all over the world. So I really respect Mm -hmm. animals. I think they're very complex. They're feeling beings um, that we are only just starting to understand. And it's my goal to to better understand that and, and to be a microphone for that all over the world. You know, it's so correct that you said it's an incomparable feeling when you go home to an animal and you get all of that love that no matter what mood you're in, you're always uplifted after that. Yes, I heard a saying once that we should be the person our dog thinks we are. And so that's definitely oh, a yes. I have me. a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I love it. Taylor, could you tell us what animal-assisted therapy is? Yes. So animal-assisted therapy is a term that falls within the umbrella term, animal-assisted interventions. Um, Animal-assisted therapy, often called AAT, um, is when a professional is bringing a therapy animal into practice with them to help meet treatment goals. So um, this can be a mental Mm -hmm. health professional, it can be a physical therapist, um, and there are a lot of different ways that the animal can come in and help achieve those goals, but um, it becomes animal-assisted therapy when there's measurable outcomes that relate to the interaction that we have with animals. Right. 
So what's the training process like for animals to get adjusted as therapy animals? Yeah, it's a, an intensive process. Um, for us at Pet Partners, we do not just register a therapy animal. We register a therapy animal team. We believe that the competencies mm-hmm. of the person is just as important as the competencies of the animals because the person is going to be the one who's protecting that animal throughout the process. So if you have an animal who might be a good fit, um, the first thing we look at is, are they going to be the type of animal that's going to actually enjoy and not just tolerate this interaction? Um, Do they really like to be around, you know, new people? And if that's the case, um, then the first step is that the human is going to take a course. We have an online course um, that's available. And then um, once they pass that course, they can take an in-person evaluation with their animal. Um, At that point, we're testing for things like basic obedience cues, how they're going to respond to medical equipment, to loud noises. Um, They're allowed to have responses, of course. We're not looking for robots, but we're looking that they can recover (laughs) and that they're still confident and happy. Um, And therapy animals in our organization reevaluate every two years. We know animals age much more quickly than we do. Um, so we, we like mm-hmm. to make sure we're checking in and ensuring that it's a good fit for an animal throughout the lifetime. So Taylor, when you're talking about this and when we talk about therapy animals, um, what kind of animals are we talking about? And um, how do we know what animal will have the best interaction with what kind of person? Yeah, there are. We have nine different species of therapy animals at Pet Partners. Dogs, cats, horses, llamas, alpacas, rabbits, guinea pigs, rats, um, pigs. Yes. So, but by and large, our most common therapy animal is a dog. Um, And I, Mm -hmm. I always fall back on the competencies of the handler. For me, I have so much background in working with dogs that I'm definitely most comfortable interacting with therapy dogs because I can read their body language the best. Um, But but there yeah. are different, you know, clients that have preferences. We find older adults sometimes um, have seem to have a preference for cats. Um, we see that sometimes our young boys get very excited when we come in with a therapy rat. So um, you can ask for the preferences of the places that you're visiting, but really it comes down to the animal that you would be most comfortable working with. And that's an animal who is going to be confident, um, affiliative, meaning they seek out interactions with humans. Um, and they're ready to listen to you so that they have a we have a safe interaction when we're in the public right what interactions do the animals have with people during therapy so that can also vary depending on the treatment goals. Um, when I was in in session with my clients, they would sometimes help um, model healthy relationships. So we would talk about how you can build trust with my therapy animals by um, giving them training cues, by um, getting to know their preferences. And the same thing goes for interactions with people. Um, you can do even kind of more physical activities. I had one activity that I did with young people. They had a, a ball that they could throw to play fetch with my animal. And on the ball, there were, um, you know, maybe 10 different feeling words, sad, happy, excited. And as the animal would bring the ball back to the child, they would read the word that was facing them. And they would have to tell me about a time in their life when they were sad, happy, or excited. So they're accessing these memories and emotions, but in a really safe, playful way. Um, So it really depends on the animal and on the, the goals of the professional, but it can fit into any intervention that the professional has, as long as you're creative and you're committed to honoring the welfare of the animal all throughout. That's interesting. Yes. 
So tell me, what does a typical session look like? And more importantly, um, how comfortable does one have to be with that animal and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, the session will will be different um, each time. I tend to find, you know, when I was doing a 50-minute session um, that uh, a client would come in, they would greet my animal, um, and sometimes we would spend the time with the animal simply sitting on their lap as we talked. Um, sometimes they would do about 10 or 15 minutes of training activities with them, um, but it depends on the energy level and the preferences of the client. Uh, in order to work with a therapy animal, though, you should be highly familiar with that animal. At Pet Partners, we have a rule that an animal cannot become a therapy animal until they're a year old, and the handler has had to know that animal for at least six months. Um, we think you should have a well-developed with these animals so that you can read their body language, um, you can advocate for them, and they're really a partner with you in what you do, not just an accessory. So when does someone try animal-assisted therapy? If you, supposing someone's going to psychotherapy, um, when do they try something like animal-assisted therapy? So um, they can try it at any point in their treatment if it's something that they are um, interested in and they can find a practitioner who has a therapy animal. Um, really, we always look at if, the, if a person is a good candidate for this, if they don't have any fears or phobias or allergies of, um, of animals. And we also like to encourage professionals to set their clients up um, for success by having the initial session be one in which you just talk about how you're going to interact with the animal and set up expectations. Um, before having that hands-on experience when it can become really exciting and uh, a hard time to learn about how to interact with the animals when the animal is there. But really, it can fit into any, any time in treatment. We have animals who are um, with clients all throughout their process of healing. Um, sometimes they come in every now and then as just a special treat. Um, so again, it's a really flexible intervention, which is one of my favorite things about it. Right. So, Taylor, when you were talking to us earlier, you were talking about how, you know, having an animal can uplift your mood and just help through the healing process, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, how is animal-assisted therapy different from psychotherapy when it comes to sessions in terms of the mental health impact that it has? And can you talk us through the process of healing that you were telling us about when it comes to animals, with animals? Yes. So anytime a, a therapist is going to work with an animal, you know, there needs to be these core set of competencies. Um, you know, the animal is not a magic solution that brings about healing. You know, they're joining side of a very skilled professional who can meet their treatment outcomes with or without the animal. With that being said, though, the animal can be a really meaningful aid. Um, one of the number one things that people talk about is this idea of rapport or relationship building, um, that animals assist in that yeah. and building the trust between the, the client and the therapy um, and the, the and the therapist um, and mm -hmm. Um, there's also, you know, just creative ways that you can access um, new things when you have an animal in session. I'm thinking, too, of, of times when we have topics that are really hard to teach young people, for example. We would talk about um, consent and about appropriate touch. That's a hard thing to communicate in a, to a child sometimes. But when you're modeling these things on an animal, so we're talking about, for example, I have a therapy animal named Lucy, and I would tell clients, you know, Lucy, likes to be pet behind her ear, um, and she doesn't like to be pet so much on her stomach. And so because that's her preference, that's something that, that we should follow. Do you have preferences? What's appropriate for you? And so they can really model ways to set boundaries in a non-threatening way when working with a therapy animal.
It's so interesting that you said that you can use these animals to explain things to people in a way that's not threatening and not something that would be a confrontational conversation that would be difficult to talk about if you were doing it directly. Yes, exactly. And you can really do a lot of um, perspective taking um, activities with animals. You know, I would oftentimes work with children who had a hard time taking the perspective of other people, but they could learn to do that with my animals. I would say, you know, when you come into the room, it's important not to get in Lucy's face and be too excited. That can be overwhelming for her, even though she loves you. So think about how you're being received. And then we can put that into human context. You know, when you walk into your classroom and you do this behavior? How might it be being received by the other people in your class? Right. Taylor, what age groups have you found animal-assisted therapy to work best with? So animal-assisted therapy can be um, successful across all areas of the lifespan. There's research and anecdotal experience to back that up. Um, very young children can benefit from therapy animals, and even all the way up to people with severe dementia um, can benefit from therapy animals. We even have therapy animals who assist in cases of hospice when it's an end-of-life situation. Um, you know, you will want to think about the size of the animal and if there are any mobility issues that that would impact a person's ability to safely interact with different sized animals. Um, but really it's an mm -hmm. intervention that can be safely implemented across the lifespan. Okay. So we've heard that Pet Partners is soon launching an association for professionals who aim to bring therapy animals into their work. What are your views on this? And what has your experience with animal assisted intervention in a professional space been like? Yeah, I'm very, very excited about this development. So for a long time, Pet Partners has focused on serving volunteers who bring therapy animals into places like hospitals, schools, and nursing homes, at least in the United States. That's the common model here. Um, but we get calls from more and more professionals across many different fields who have heard about this intervention and would like to bring a therapy animal into their practice, but they don't know how to get started. So that's what our professional association is going to help with. We're going to provide that roadmap. We're going to provide education, um, opportunities for connecting with other professionals through an online community. We are also going to have a certification evaluation so that a professional can um, show that they have competencies in this area. So we see this as the next step that the field really needs. At the end of almost every research paper you see on animal-assisted therapy, there's a call for more standardization and more professionalization within the field. And that's what we're going to be doing through the launch of this professional association. That's really interesting, Taylor. Yes, we're excited. We, we hope to have many of the listeners today join us. It should be launching in January of 2022. And you can visit petpartners.org um, to sign up for a newsletter that will keep you up to date on all of our advancements in this space. Sure. Thank you for giving us that information. And thank you for talking to us today about animal-assisted therapy, because there is so much we've got to learn from you. Apart from, you know, I have a dog at home and I know just how how good you can feel when you have an animal waiting for you every single time you come back, regardless of how you're feeling. But you've also talked to us about how, you know, you can use animals to model relationships. You can mirror the feeling of trust and having a safe space in your relationships with people as well. And it gives you a sense of motivation and upliftment. And that's something we've learned from you. And thank you for talking to us and, you know, sharing all of this information with us. It's definitely been a very, very interesting conversation. 
Absolutely. Well, it is my pleasure. And I hope that everyone who is listening is motivated um, to think about the lessons that we learn from animals, whether it be pets or therapy animals, and how we can use those lessons to make the world a better place. Thank you.